Dear Heavenly Father, I have no idea everything that goes on and your great glorious mind and everything that you have planned. I am but a mere human, a mere man, only capable of serving you and doing everything in my power, willing to bring you glory. May you speak to me and allow me to do only the things you would have me to do, only to say the things that you would have me to say. And God, let me always put my focus on you and what brings you glory. In Jesus Christ's name. Welcome to Cross Discourse, where music, culture, and life are discussed across the media spectrum weekly to help you live a godly life. Cross Discourse, Christ is Culture. Yo, what's up? It's your boy Anonymous coming to you with another episode of cross discourse listen my friends and my family uh a lot has been happening over the last couple of weeks in my life and um i just felt like it was just time for me to really bear my soul a little bit um about a few things um and and i wrote something down i just want you to hear it um and and then i'll get into today's message and it begins like this christian culture has influenced the world around us and been influenced by the world many times over. Many practices from Western civilization has permeated our thoughts and therefore our philosophy with regard to the cross reference of Christianity. Think about it, many of our values, ideas, and machinations, that is the Christian cultural things constitute what we call Western civilization, so much so Many people in the U.S. and other Western societies are what we consider to be cultural Christians. We call them cultural Christians. These are people who are non-religious but follow many of our values. I could go on and on and on about this type of phenomenon, but suffice it to say, Christ was at the center of our founding, not just the U.S., but Western culture. Now, however, it is under attack, not just from the non-religious, but also from Christians. Be right back. There I was, standing shamefully in a courtroom, surrounded by demons on my left and angels on my right. Satan as the persecutor holding millions of records about my life and God sitting on a throne with a mighty gavel in his hand. I had no lawyer. Placed on trial for things such as lying, stealing, and fornication, for this was the beginning of my tribulation, for there was no reason to plead an innocent statement, for all the evidence was sitting right there with Satan. The demons smiled as tears rolled down the judge's eyes, for they clearly knew that now was the hour of my demise. But wait. In came a light shining so bright that the demons smiling suddenly jumped with fright and the man that walked in that night was none other than Jesus Christ. 
darkness departed to give way and glory was all the angels could say as the man that walked in that night pulled out a lighter and immediately set satan's records against me on fire he took the sentence file and erased my name looked at me in the eyes and said daughter i'll take the blame Handcuffs were placed on this man and he was thrown to the ground. The entire courtroom gasped at the horrendous sound and the sudden seized the beat of his heart. The man that walked in glowing had now become dark. I did this to him. My lying, my stealing, my cheating. And he took the pain and spent three days in the hell that I was to go to for eternity. I left the courtroom that day and there was nothing I could say. I was found innocent for Christ handled the debt that I was to pay. This type of love is more than you could give to a girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife. This man died for me. I owe him my life. And even though my life is not at all worth it, how could you ever trade preference for perfect? See, I gave my life to Christ and suddenly picked up a mop. The lying, cursing, cheating, all that had to stop because my life had been bought. And it'd be a shame to sit there and do nothing but let it rot. I'm not perfect, and the will to sin hasn't completely diminished from my life. But I believe Jesus' words when he died for me on that cross. It is finished. Wow. That was very, very, um, not just entertaining, but powerful. You know what I mean? Just to talk about the sacrifice that Jesus had, um, that he made for our lives, just to make us right with God. And so this this whole discussion today, uh, I'm, I'm titling it Do It For The Culture. Um, and it stems from a couple of things that have happened recently. Um, there was a situation in a restaurant uh, where a man uh, was just yelling and cursing at his customers for their behavior in his restaurant. Um, they were dancing inappropriately in his restaurant. He had asked them to be quiet uh, or to stop doing it. And they continued. And then it kind of blew up on my social media because a lot of people were having a discussion in both ways. Hey, you shouldn't play that music if you don't want that type of behavior in your restaurant. And then other people were saying, well, you know, it is a restaurant. You don't do it at other types of restaurants. And, and so the discussion just went back and forth. Another thing happened, uh, you know, I had a discussion with a really, really close friend of mine and we just sat down and we were talking about our upbringing and how, you know, I wasn't allowed to watch TV as a kid. Uh, because of a lot of the the negative influences, there was some TV shows that I was allowed to watch. Watch uh, the most popular I remember is Superbook. That was like my favorite cartoon of all time. It was a cartoon, not the computer generated thing that's happening more recently. And he also shared with me that he wasn't allowed to play cards or dance or do certain things because it was considered a sin. And the argument for that was that they were all gateways to leading to other and greater types of sin. I remember going to church or my sister attending the church uh, some years back where she was only allowed to wear a long dress, a dress that went all the way down to her ankles and she was completely covered up and she wasn't allowed to show her body uh, to other people. And that was, again, a similar kind of mindset you know you don't want to give gateways you don't want to give an opportunity for other people to sin and you want to really try and protect other people as much as you want to protect yourself 
And then I had another situation on social media where I, I had a, a female coworker, uh, just a ex coworker, really talk about you know how she felt like she wasn't gonna get married, and some people offered some godly advice where they talked about you know the Bible scriptures. Hey, it's it's better to be single. You know you're blessed, and other people talking about just this holiness and, and everything that that comes around being married versus single. Um, and then I had a discussion with my wife. You see, there's just a whole a whole lot of things happening here, which really just had me. I just had to get my my thoughts out there. But my wife uh, really was stuck on this idea of speaking things into existence. Basically, the idea is that you say I'm blessed, um, which is I guess fine, but also saying you know I claim it now in the name of Jesus. I'm going to be you know, a millionaire or whatever. Um, and I was like, whoa, whoa, what are you talking about? What? She was like, no, that that's biblical. I believe it. And I was like, well, you know, give it to me in scripture, you know, show it to me. Where is it? Because that is not really what the Bible says. And so we had, you know, I just, just started thinking about our culture, you know, Christians in general, and a lot of biblical verses came to mind. And I had to kind of dwindle them or, or separate them and kind of like set, get rid of the ones you know I really wanted the meat and potatoes and the uh, so I, I got a couple um, that really speak to um, what I want everyone to understand and the first is first Corinthians 118 and it says this for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And and to me, that really just wants, I, I just want you to understand, you know, it's all about the message of the cross, you know, and if you're following it, you understand it. But if you just are kind of ancillary with it, you're not really going to understand it. It's foolishness to you. Um, and that's the first thing, because you need to understand that the Bible is inerrant. And there's another Bible verse that says the Bible is inerrant. Um, it's perfect, right? It, it doesn't make mistakes. Uh, and, and that's what I really want us to understand. The next verse is Romans 12, verses 1 through 2. And it says this, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This is probably the most important of all the scriptures that I'm reading today because it really helps to focus your mind on what we are doing for the culture. And when I say the culture, I mean the Christian culture, not the African-American Christian culture, not the white American Christian Christian culture, the evangelical, the Protestant, the Catholic, no, the Christian culture, because it really needs to be said, we are one body and you need to understand that. Um, Matthew 6.33, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you we need to have god first not our set not ourselves first not even ourselves second because the bible says that the second greatest commitment is to love your neighbor as yourself so we should be putting ourselves last uh jesus tells us that you know if you need if you want to be first you need to be last 
John 13, 35, by this, everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. And then the Bible says in Revelations 3, 17, you say, I am rich. I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing, but you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. My friends, family, guys, we need to understand we are saved, but not through our own selves. We are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. He was the perfect sacrifice because we cannot do anything to earn our place in heaven. And we really need to understand that it is not us. It is God that is saving us. And he sees us a certain way because of Jesus's sacrifice. I want to um, focus a little bit on the book of Mark uh, in the in the New Testament, chapter twelve specifically, where there's a lot of um, there's a lot of nuggets of wisdom in there. Um, Jesus is speaking in parables. He's being tested by uh, people who are just really trying to come see where he's at. He's being asked questions um, by other people because they want to really know what the gospel is um, and it's an amazing chapter it's just so much in it um, that i even won't even be able to get into it today but when we focus on god when we focus on his glory when we put him first that means we're nowhere near that i mean and in all honesty we need to be focused on him always not just first but him always we are killing ourselves daily we are dying daily to ourselves we are no longer living for ourselves but christ who died for us and that is my message to you today i was so disheartened uh, my mind was just i was so depressed really uh just down just because of, of, of all these things, you know, Christians arguing over um, just the simple things of life. And there are some really deep conversations that we can have regarding the Bible. And we really should be of one mind and spirit. And we can debate those things and really look at the word. But we really need to let God um, tell us what that is and what it, our message is through, through prayer. Um, through understanding, just constantly talking with one another. Um, we don't have any apostles with us anymore. We just have the word. We just have the word of God uh, that is in front of us. And yes, we do have tons and tons and tons of scholars out there. Um, so many um, that, you know, a lot of them are even giving us different pieces of information. One of the things that I found uh, when I was just kind of trying to be focused on um, you know, God, uh, and in my research, as I do this podcast, I came across a website. I can't remember exactly what it was called. Something about, um, cultural leadership or Christian cultural leadership or, or something like that. Uh, you know, but this, this gentleman, um, started this organization. I think it's the center for Christian leadership or center for culture leadership or something like that. Um, and, it doesn't matter exactly what it was, but he really was pulling out historical 
uh, facts about the Christian church. And I, I checked them out and I, I read a couple of his articles and I, I listened to a couple of, you know, his speeches and, and things. Uh, he, he has a very broad background. You know, he's really into the word. Uh, and um, he did a particular um, article specifically on politics. And he talked about how Christians um, have to get into politics. And I, I, I you know, I, I, we've had this discussion. I, I struggle with that uh, because I don't feel like, you know, neither Republicans or Democrats are truly Christian. But I will say say this about that. Um, as I kind of um, have been going through this year, um, one thing has really filled me up uh, with grief. And, is, and that is that Christians are not putting God first. They, they, they are putting certain issues above others. And this gentleman fell into that same trap. You know, he started talking about the Republican Party. It, it believes in, you know, life of the unborn child. The Republican Party believes in the rule of law. And this is historical basis, blah, 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 blah. And I had to say, whoa, whoa, that's not necessarily historically based because even in the Bible, you see Christians going against what they are told to do by the by the people in charge. You know, the apostles themselves were crucified and murdered, which is a governmental uh, uh, endorse or sanctioned punishment because they broke the law. Um, so how can the Republican Party be the party of law and order, which is historically Christian when it's not really like that? Because the Bible teaches us we have to stand up for things that are right. We have to stand up for things that are true according to God's word and not the word of, you know, the state. Um, not And again, I'm not getting political. I'm trying not to. Um, but there was a lot of fallacy in what he said because it wasn't biblically based. He was really saying that it was historically based within the Christian culture, which I'll accept um, to an extent. But we really have to be careful when we look at things like that. OK, so um, with that being said, I'm, I'm really just I want you to just study the culture, guys. We have to do things that are on our own. I'll go back to those things that really uh, jumped out at me first, uh, with regards to the playing of the music thing. Um, and yes, I, I really, I, I agree. We really shouldn't be playing music that is going to lead us to sin. Um, and I'll, I'll bundle that with the second discussion that I was talking about with me and my friend, where we talked about our upbringing. It is really hard, really, really hard guys. I love sports. Um, and, uh, just to give you an aside before I get back to this point, I used to watch football all the time. I used to make it a religious uh, commitment. In fact, I would go. I actually stopped going to the 11 o'clock service at church uh, and going to the nine o'clock service so that I could get home sooner to watch the uh, the Monday night or the uh, Sunday football NFL talks before the game because they kind of set you up with that excitement. Um, and I used to have my wife fix a meal like i mean like a full-fledged outside 
uh, grilled kind of, what do you call it, tailgating uh, menu. We used to have grilled chicken wings. I used to have pizza. I used to have soda. I used to have burgers just lined up on the table ready for me to serve. And I had a space on the couch that I always sat at. And I would eat and I would watch TV. I would watch the one o'clock game. I would watch the four o'clock game. I would watch the 830 game. And I would not get out of that spot except to eat, use the bathroom, grab something to drink. Very rarely did I do anything. And my mind was focused on the biblical principle of resting on Sunday. But guys, I wasn't doing that. I was actually in very much sin uh, because I was focused on that more than anything else. Um, and, and Jesus talked about that as well when he performed certain miracles and did certain things on the Sabbath. Um, the Sabbath is meant for us to rest, but I wasn't. So back to this, we know that there are things that we do that are gateways to other things. Um, I was pretty much worshiping football, uh, so to speak. In fact, I, I was a big time fantasy football guy, chopping up my numbers and listening to the experts and doing all sorts of things to the point where I wasn't even focused on God. I was going to the shortest service on Sunday so that I could get home and spend 12, 13 hours, maybe more, um, watching football because I would do a miniature version on Monday nights as well. Um, and so uh, we really have to be careful and guard our hearts uh, when we talk about listening to the music that we're listening to, when we talk about playing the games that we play, when we're talking about interacting, even having friends that are, you know, non-Christian, that are cultural Christians, so to speak. They have Christian principles. We have to be careful in the way we take all of that on in our hearts, souls and mind, because it does lead us to do things we would not normally do. I have a couple of I can think of a couple of friends that I know uh, who are Christians that maybe work in a particular line of work where a lot of people curse and swear. And guess what they do? They curse and swear constantly. Um, but they're Christian, right? Because it's just something that slips up in their mind. You know, the Bible says to not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Does that mean cursing? I, you know, it's it's kind of on, on the on the line. But you really, I grew up learning and knowing that people who curse do so because they have the lack of vocabulary to express themselves properly. And now we see on TV what? There were certain words that were not allowed on primetime networks or during the day on TV. And those words, and those words, excuse me, are constantly there now. Um, so we need to be mindful. The second thing about the friend wanting to get married. Why is that such a big need? Because that is something within her that she wants. She's not even necessarily thinking that this is something that God has for her or that God wants for her. She should be praying that God focuses her heart on on him. Right. Uh, if she's a Christian, she may just be a cultural Christian that loves to hear the word or loves to listen to that music or participate. I don't really know too much about her um, because she is, you know, she's a co-worker and she's a friend. Um, but she, uh, you know, I don't know too much about it. I don't spend too much time with her um, in that regard. So I don't know. But we really she needs to focus on her heart. I am married and I prayed that. And let me tell you, marriage is a lot more than what I bargained for. Let me let me say that again. Marriage is a lot more than what I bargained for. I was just like her in my 20s and praying, God, send me a wife, send me. I want kids. I want a family. I need this and I need that. 
But guess what? Marriage has led me to be uh, more lustful than I've probably ever been. You know, I probably wasn't even that much after women before I met my wife, but because I had her and I and she gave me the things that I needed, it opened me up to a lot more things when we got into arguments and, and, and I wasn't getting what I was used to getting. You see what I'm saying? And, and so, you know, it, it really, my mind was not focused on God at that point. I'm going to be honest. My mind was not po focused on God. And I, and I could tell you these things in complete honesty because I know that there are repercussions to not putting God first in our lives. Uh, and then the last thing, speaking things into existence. I am upcoming. I, I, I actually have another episode already ready to go uh, with regards to uh, the idea of miracles versus magic. And it speaks to that last point, speaking things into existence. Everything that happens is because of God. We don't control anything. When you look at the prophets in the Old Testament uh, who performed all of those miracles, we didn't call them magicians. We didn't call Moses and Aaron magicians because their staffs turned into snakes and they were able to split the, the sea in half and walk across and all that other stuff. They didn't perform magic. They spoke only what God had them to speak. Right. And so we know that God was at the center of every what we would consider magical thing on Earth. And that's the only thing I'm going to say about that, because I have a whole episode um, focused on that. All right. Um, I, I hope that this reached you. Um, I, I hope that you felt what it is that I had to say, um, because I think it's important that we do things for the culture. We want to we want people to see God and us and everything we do. So put away that that song that you really love that I, I have a real I have a favorite. <laughs> I have a song that is so un like that I used to listen to all the time with an old friend of mine. Um, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what it is. It was an ASAP Rocky song. And uh, that's probably all you need to know. Um, ASAP Rocky and it had it had Drake and it had Kendrick Lamar in it and it was really inappropriate um, and that was my thing I used to woo boy I used to jam on it but I had to stop because it was really feeding my mind the wrong way um, and it had bad language really bad language and the message that it was preaching was not at all uh, Christ like alright so whatever it is uh, do it for the culture. I've got a bonus um, spoken word thing called So You're a Christian, huh? Uh, coming up right now. And guys, I love you. Whatever your thoughts are, email me, crossdiscourse at gmail.com. And I look forward to hearing from you, uh, seeing you, speaking to you, keeping this discourse open. Um, see you next time. To the blind, this may come off as Christian indoctrination. But to Christians... This is scripturally based doctrine of conduct through salvation that's over time been slightly lost in demonstration. Jesus of Nazareth, the author of salvation. So he who has an ear, let him hear, please, and listen. Many of God's children have become lukewarm and nonchalant about doing the Savior's request. He said if any man follows me, he must deny himself first and pick up his cross. So blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly. By doing so, no one is able to take you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy. Also, be not conformed to this world, neither love the things that are in it. Thus, as Christians seek first his kingdom and righteousness, 
and all these other things will be given. But when you ask, it is not given because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But if you hold to his teachings, you are really his disciple. But if you're still seeking to please men, you're not even worthy of the title. You were bought with the price. Don't you have any idea what this means? For you and me to confess we believe, the king of kings had to be stretched out on a tree. Jesus of Nazareth, the author of salvation, for he views the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. This includes but not limited to rape, murder, and even child molestation. That's why we as believers are to present our bodies as a living sacrifice to the weary and burdened who are aching to see the light of Christ. So if you're impervious to love, then you will certainly prove to be useless. That's why Jesus said, by love will man know who his is. So woe to those who put their faith in things that are tangible and ungodly. Because you have a little money, you believe that it's something. Jesus describes you as being poor, blind, and naked. Because a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. So be aware of men who've been robbed of the truth, who preach only that godliness is a means of financial breakthrough. Instead, put on the full armor of God to stand firm against Satan and his schematics. Jesus of Nazareth, the author of salvation. So no longer are we teaching safe sex, but on this day, abstinence. Because presenting our bodies as holy and acceptable is the highest act of worship. So abstain from fornication, for this is his will and your sanctification. For this is how we know that we really come to know him, when we do what he commands. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Jesus of Nazareth, the author of salvation. I say this in repetition because in his name, the nations will be optimistic. So as I speak the sword of the spirit, I bind any demonic interference. Like Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. Because in these times, we're no longer just playing church. Remember, not everyone that says, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom. Only those who fulfill the will of the Lord's mission. So tell me, what will you do when you come before his presence? And he says, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. This is the biblical doctrine of conduct through salvation that's over time but slightly lost in translation. Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the author of salvation.